Thanks for joining us. This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to Rev with Rachel, where we recreate, enlighten, and vibrate in our radiance. I am Reverend Dr. Rachel Whetstone, but please just call me Rachel. This episode is brought to you by the Rev with Rachel affiliate Source Code Meditation, an online education and meditation practice for awakening your higher brain and expressing your most radiant, authentic self. Go to the show notes for the link to sign up for an enlightening webinar with the creator, Dr. Michael Cotton. Today's episode is called Building Boundaries from the Inside Out with Ellen Saul. After going back to school at age 40, Ellen Saul has been counseling children, families, and adults for over 30 years. She opened a private practice in 2001 and continues to learn about being an entrepreneur. As a licensed psychologist, she has continued to add tools to her toolbox, including EMDR and somatic experiencing to work with trauma, attachment work with In Touch Again, and multi-sensory experiences for brain health. She works with clients to build an internal foundation of self-awareness in body, mind, and spirit, which they can then take out into all their relationships. She is currently facilitating a group teaching boundary awareness and skills. Ellen is a contributing author in the book, Watershed Moments, Dramatic Stories from People Experiencing Faith-Based Changes in Their Life, and author of the upcoming book, Clear is Better Than Nice, Boundaries for Your Best Self. Welcome to the show, Ellen. Thanks. I'm delighted to be here and to have a chance to visit with you and share with the people who will listen to this podcast. Yes, me too. I'm so glad you're here. So we met through WOW, Women of Words, which yes. is a local a women's writing group that meets once a month. And I think there's seven groups now around the Twin Cities area and... That's um, Minnesota, but um, it's so cool. And I love seeing you there because you always just have this vibrant energy that you bring to the group. And I'm grateful to connect with you more now and get to know you better. Thank you so much. Yeah. So in your bio, you talk about some specific work you do with people. And uh, maybe not everyone has heard of these, you know, EMDR, In Touch Again, Somatic Experiencing, um, can you kind of describe your approach or how you work with people? I would be glad to. Um, when people come in, I really believe that we work as a partnership, that I may bring some of these tools and they bring the absolute authority about who they are and what's going on inside of them. And so as we come up against issues that they may have, I'll pick specific tools to work with. So EMDR is short for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And you can go online and read about it. It allows, it uses a bilateral movement. So a tapping back and forth from one hand to the other or eye movements looking from one side to the other to get, to let new information into your brain. Because when there's a trauma, our brain clumps together uh, the image that we're seeing when the trauma happens, the emotion, a place in your body where it feels big, and a conclusion that we make about ourselves. So in the case of a trauma, the conclusion may be I'm about to die as I see a car 
coming towards mine that's going to hit it. Uh, my stomach may be tight. And I have this overwhelming sense of fear and panic. Mm. Even though years later, I know that I didn't die because I'm still walking around. Those things still get stuck together. And when they get triggered by somebody slamming on their brakes ahead of me, I end up feeling all of those things again, my tight stomach, that panicked feeling, and uh-oh, I'm, I'm about to die. Mm. And so allowing new information to come into your brain allows your body to have, to re-experience that with a new conclusion. So when I see a traffic accident about to happen, after I've done the EMDR process, the new belief comes in, which says I survived. And so my body calms instead of getting all cranked up and feeling like it's about to happen all over again. Mm, okay. So that's a little bit about EMDR. Um, somatic experiencing is about working with trauma from your body up. So it really starts with awareness of what's going on in your body awareness that my stomach might be tight, or my shoulders might be hurting, or I may have a headache, uh, or they may be tingling somewhere, and sitting with that, so that has a chance to resolve itself, and my body has the time to re-experience the action it didn't have a chance to take during trauma. Um, so that's a little bit about somatic experiencing. Again, that's something that you can go online and, and learn some more about. Um, in Touch Again is a series of um, exercises or activities which taps into the fact that our brain, our youngest brain, learns by sensory experiences. And again, when trauma has happened, we often have to shut down some of those sensory experiences. And then that part of our brain doesn't have a chance to grow. Um, the, when you have a little child in a good situation, you're saying to them, oh, come feel this. It's so soft. Come and smell this flower. They're getting a lot of uh, sensory experiences as they go along. Um, when there isn't anybody to have that kind of interaction or the sensory experiences that come are painful, um, that's a, a, an indication for our brains to kind of shut down that input. And those are the things that build uh, connection between people and excitement about learning and those kinds of things. So giving people a chance at whatever age they come across it to have those experiences uh, really changes how it feels inside and people's ability to be excited about things, to connect with people and to really build positive things in their life. Oh, very cool. I love that. And then where do you do your work? My office is in my home. I live in rural Minnesota outside of Faribault. Um, we have about five acres. And so it makes it possible for not just to sit in the office, but to go outside and experience nature, to pick some raspberries, to look for frogs, depending on what kinds of things interest you and what age you are. Mm -hmm. um, and so that I, I have really appreciated that connection and the ability to do that with my clients. 
Yeah, that sounds amazing. I love that. And you were mentioning too, you're tapping maple trees right now. <laughs> we are. We um, The problem this year is the sap started to run. And so we have sap in the bags and then it froze. So we have these big clunks of ice with sap and we have to oh wait gosh. thaw before we can put them in the pot and start okay. boiling them up. Yeah. Oh, wow. But you, you can use it. It's not lost, right? Oh, it's not lost. It's awesome. just like frozen juice in your freezer. And okay. it'll go into the cooker and become maple syrup. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love hearing, you know, when people are doing those things that keep us connected to nature and what you're doing in your work just sounds so awesome because, you know, me being in the city, I have to go seek out the the places to connect with nature or go drive somewhere to go walk on a trail in, you know, a park reserve, but (laughs) that just sounds beautiful. Our place is called Rough Acres Farm. We have a large greenhouse and we grow tomatoes in it. And uh, the tomato plants are about 12 inches high, mm. and about half of them have flowers budding already. So oh, we wow. tomatoes early. Uh, typically, we have tomatoes by the 1st of June, and we oh, start nice. at the farmer's market. So that's another oh. fun place to go in the cold. Oh, cool. So you're very multi-talented. <laughs> well, my husband does most of the farming, and okay. we have, we have uh, a new farm manager now. And so that's wonderful to have a lot of help with it. Yeah, very cool. And so you, in your bio, you mentioned that you went back to school at 40. Um, And as we had talked about, some transformation kind of led into you making that transition in your life. I would love to hear just about your personal story of healing and transformation. I'd love to share it because it feels really important to me and certainly has determined a lot of the course of my life. I got married at 23, and by 10 years after that, I had four children and a marriage that I discovered uh, my husband didn't want anymore. Mm. And so with small children, my life transformed, and I had to come to terms with all those changes. Uh, Part of the changes were just this flood of negative uh, comments that I was making to myself. I'm a failure. You know, how could I have married somebody who would cheat on me? That proves how stupid I am. Nobody will ever fall in love with me. I'll be alone forever. I mean, that kind of stuff going around in your head all day, it's not much fun living inside of yourself. No. So I really had to begin figuring out how to shift things and start doing my own work. Um, I started begin learning about choosing the thoughts that I ran in my head instead of just letting them run automatically. And so instead of going, I should have done that differently, I began to say, I could have done that differently. And instead of saying, I shouldn't have said something that made him mad, I began to learn to say, what I said doesn't have the power to make him mad. His conclusions about what I said create anger in him. And I don't have control over what he thinks. Mm. And so I began to get some relief. And at first, when I would say this new thing, it would last for, you know, five or 10 seconds. And then I'd have to say it again. But gradually, it lasted longer and longer. And I literally began feeling differently in my body. And so the practice and continued practice helped until it be, the, those new things became the automatic response. And today, my 
it's it's pretty much fun living inside my head. And um, that has made a huge difference. Oh, very cool. So that's, that's what I was learning to say to myself differently. And I began going to an Al-Anon group um, and learn to get off the codependency train, which is kind of like, if, if you're feeling happy with me, then I can be happy. But if you're upset with me, then I'm going to be feeling terrible. Mm. So I, I began to be able to say I could, you know, take a breath when somebody said something negative and check in and say that person can be upset and I can still be okay. Right. I began to think about how I, how I treated myself inside. And I, you know, I listened to some of the things that I would say, you dummy, you know, that was so stupid. And I realized that I would not consider talking to somebody else like that. And so how, how come I was talking to me like that, that I deserve to be talked to gently. And I, I realized that my choice there was I could continue doing things the way I had done them, the way I had sort of learned from what was around me, or I could choose to be a really good parent to myself in terms of support and protection. Um, and, and I could treat myself that way and, and, really listen to what was needed inside. And so I began to choose that. And, did, you know, did I instantly start doing it differently? Not so much. <laughs> it was a process. Um, at first, I might realize a week later, how hard I was being on myself. And then I realized that when I did recognize that I'd done it not so well, I could practice words that I would want to say instead. And run those through in my mind so they were kind of ready for the next time it came up and soon soon I realized that as I started to say one of these negative things to myself I could catch myself and then amazingly one day in the middle of a conversation I could I was all all of a sudden saying things differently from how I used to oh that really helped a lot and, and I've learned that I don't have to beat myself up all the time. I still get caught now and then, but but not so much. Yeah. And then it probably doesn't last long. That's what I've noticed kind of with inner healing is, you know, where something used to maybe trigger me for a day. Now it's like, oh, five minutes and done. <laughs> exactly. The shift is really quick and it comes and my whole body feels better. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that is so powerful. And I like how you said the, the word practice, because I think it is a life practice to be able to be conscientious of what we're saying and doing to ourselves. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about boundaries. Our title today is building boundaries from the inside out. And, you know, that is a newer word for me. I didn't have a background in, you know, psychology and things. And so can you describe for us what, what are boundaries? Well, boundaries are those very simple things that we come across every day. Uh, The boundary of my yard is where the fence is and my neighbor yard, my neighbor's yard starts. Um, another boundary is the yellow line down the middle of the road when I'm driving. Boundaries on the inside have to do with things like when I walk into a room and there's people there, my body knows immediately if it feels comfortable and relaxed or if it feels tense. Mm-hmm. And so that's a boundary 
where my my insides give me information. Um, another possibility is that sense of what my circle of comfort is, how close I am comfortable with somebody coming to me. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like an energetic boundary that I have. And if somebody comes into that space, I might tend to step back um, or, or be uncomfortable and maybe not know what to do with my discomfort. So um, the, my whole focus on boundaries really started uh, consciously about two and a half years ago when a client came to me and said, do you have a, a good book on boundaries I could recommend because I have a friend who, who needs to read it. And I thought, and I thought, and I really didn't have one to recommend. And then out of my mouth came, I don't have one, but I could probably write one. Yeah. So that was the beginning of this um, recognition that I had some things to share from my own life experience and from my work with people about boundaries. And so, you know, a simple definition of boundaries is um, where two things meet and, and the, 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 the line or the point between those two things. And so one of the things that I thought maybe we could do, I, I've got three tips for people and I thought we could do something you and I that would be a little experience that people who are listening could also do to get a sense of this and what this feels like inside. Um, so I just wonder if you would be willing to think about something from the last day or two that was kind of pleasant for you. And you don't, you can tell me what it is if you want to, but you don't have to. Um, doesn't have to be the best thing that ever happened in your life. <laughs> A little bit on the on the on the okay side. Yeah, I mean my moments with my boys. Wonderful. You know, when I drop them off to school and I get a kiss and I get to kiss them. I mean that's Fantastic. so beautiful. That's a great example. So just take a minute and hold that experience in your in your mind in your heart, and notice what happens in your body as you do that. So that might be. You might notice what happens with your breathing. You might notice what happens with your muscles, how your stomach is feeling. Sometimes people have a, a sense of a color that goes with it. Or yeah, it feels nice. I notice my steady breathing. I kind of get teary, like when I feel love. <laughs> like when your heart is coming. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So that gives you one set of sensations in your body that can help you know that that's a good place. Mm. And and we'll talk a little bit later. um, One way of talking about that is like the green zone where I'm calm and I feel connected and and life is good. Um, So then think of something in the last couple of days that was maybe a little on the unpleasant side. Again, not a major trauma, just a little not that great. Okay. Okay. And just hold that for a moment in your awareness, that experience, and notice what happens again in your body as you just sit with that. Yeah. 
Yeah, kind of my throat feels closed. Just mm-hmm. kind of. Uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Do you notice that you are energized or sort of losing energy? Yeah, losing energy. Yeah. So those are ways that your body lets you know that you're in a space that's not that great. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, when you find yourself there, do you feel like you want to do something about it? Do you want to stay there? You want to move to somewhere else? Um, yeah, like getting out of that. Getting yeah. out of there. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, you know, one of my old experiences was getting stuck in one of those negative places and not knowing what to do to come out of it. So um, when we think about how our brain works with things, that green zone that I mentioned is our when our our prefrontal cortex is working and that part of our brain that knows how to do connections is working. Um, that second, that not so pleasant place uh, is often called the blue zone um, because it might be uncomfortable, but it also kind of spurs us onto action. And it might be a very vibrant, it might be where that vibrancy and ready to take action also comes from that you're, that you're talking about. When okay. we have, when we have trauma happen, we end up in the red zone, which is our survival brain. And it, we might freeze, we might fight, we might run, any of those kinds of pieces that go with survival. It's about trying to stay safe. Um, so that awareness of what's going on, I put... I, I, I've got a three-word thing. So the first one is aware, and that's like the exercise that we did in tuning into what's actually happening in our body. And the second one is where, which zone am I in? And okay. that gives us a sense of this is a good place to be in that green zone. Um, if I'm in that red zone, I probably need to do something to get safe. Um, and if I'm in that blue zone, I might want to take some action. And if I can settle myself first, I will take a thought through action that will help me get to a good place. And if I don't settle myself, I might do a reaction action. I might okay. yell back at somebody or something like that. So if I, if I think about where, which of those zones I'm in, then I get to choose there. This is the one I want to be in and take some actions to get there. And so that, that if I want to get back to that green zone, uh, one of the best ways that I've learned to do that is called self-compassion. And I like it because it only has three steps. It's quite simple. Um, so the first step for self-compassion to help take me back to that green zone is to recognize that I'm out of the green zone right now. I'm distressed, I'm upset, I'm suffering, something like that. And it might be physical or it might be emotional. So that recognition of where I'm at without judging it. And then the second piece is to go, yep, people get there sometimes. This is a part of the human condition. Everybody feels like this sometimes. And again, that's the acceptance and the not judging myself. And then the third step, is doing things for myself that are compassionate. And we express compassion through our words and our touch. 
So the words might be to say to myself, it's okay, we'll get through this, the kinds of things you would say to a child who was having a hard time. Mm -hmm. The touch piece that we might do might be laying a hand on our heart, might be giving ourselves a hug, might be just gently cupping our cheeks in our hands, the kinds of body things that feel peaceful and calming to you. And people have their own experiences of that. Oh, very cool. So we have aware, aware, that's right, of of what's going on inside, where, W-H-E-R-E, which is which zone am I in, and there, which is deciding which zone I want to get to. Okay. And then self-compassion is a tool to use to, to make that shift in our brain. That's right. Awesome. Very cool. So... Anything else about boundaries that we should know? Well, I'm, um, I'm, I'm doing a group currently on boundaries. And so what I've shared today is really things from the first group session, which is about my body boundaries. So being aware enough that I can begin to take care of myself differently. Um, we'll be talking later about Knowing a clear, recognizing a clear yes in my body and recognizing a clear no. And and you probably have had times like this. Like if your kids say, mommy, will you read me a story? My guess is your body goes, yes. Yeah. At this Um, point in my life. Exactly. (laughs) A little it was. (laughs) Yes. But I learned to kind of heal and transform from overwhelm to like peaceful parenting. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. That's amazing because my guess is even if you did the story from your overwhelmed place, it would not feel the same to your kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So that's the piece of if I get myself to that green space, which is you learning to do peaceful parenting, Mm -hmm. then the interaction between the two of you is really different. Yeah. So, um, so recognizing both my inside stuff and then how I interact with other people, um, those are sort of the two big parts of, of the class that we're doing and, and what is going in the book. Um, so that learning to settle myself, learning to recognize that I sometimes have a part of me that kicks in that feels like about three years old and doesn't feel very capable and feels kind of stupid about things maybe. Um, that really needs me to parent her and to listen to the fact that she's feeling scared or incompetent or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So recognizing those different parts of myself, I have another part of myself that thinks she knows best for everybody else and should tell them all how to do it. (laughs) And when I turn things over to her, things don't go so well between me and other people. Mm -hmm. So So recognizing when that energy is coming in and how I can help her settle so that, again, I don't um, behave in a way that's really uncomfortable and difficult for other people. Um, So we'll be doing inside stuff. And then how do I connect with other people? Um, Holding clear boundaries with with the people that I live with. I think you and I, before we started, talked about the whole Minnesota nice piece. Mm -hmm. And I think somehow it's gotten connected with growing up in the state um, where my job is to have a smile on my face 
and be pleasant regardless of how it's actually feeling inside. Yet that disconnect between how I'm acting on the outside and how I'm feeling on the inside is kind of like if you have a kid who's being hurt in some way and you ignore it, um, that's not going to feel good for that child. And so learning, just learning words to say, stop, I don't like that, which, you know, we work with our kids on saying, but in fact, we need to learn that too and recognize that that tight stomach says something isn't quite right here. I need to change something here in order to feel peaceful inside. Um, So it might be, I I learned a lot of things from uh, Parenting with Love and Logic that says how sad I don't talk with people who are yelling at me, you know, which is a, a respectful thing to say. And boy, oh boy, does it feel better than going on when it doesn't feel good. I remember, well, when I was first learning how to do this, I was out walking with my current husband. We have 27 years in together, so we've been through a lot. But this was in about year two, and we we were struggling. We were having a tough time, and there was a lot of criticism going back and forth, and we were out for a walk. And he started going on about something and all I could feel was my stomach getting tighter and tighter and how uncomfortable I was. And I finally pulled it together and I said, I'm not willing to talk about this anymore right now. And he went on talking about it. And into my head came, I just need to turn around and walk the other way. And I did. And this huge positive energy came into me of, yes, because I had, I had paid attention to what didn't feel good, and I had taken some action to change it. Mm-hmm. And I think awareness of boundaries is one piece of it, but what's connected to that is what's the action I need to take to keep myself safe, to support myself, to be part of an interaction that feels okay and to take myself out of an interaction that doesn't feel okay. So I can be aware of boundaries, but I still have to do something about them if it's going to feel better inside. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's really powerful. I do mention a story for myself when I was in grad school and had this kind of icky experience with a grad school advisor but Mm -hmm. so you know he his kind of view is like this is all mine this office space and everything in it and and I was in my my office and he came in upset about something and I wasn't even working for him at the time like all this stuff had gone down and he was not my advisor and he came into my office and was all upset about something and um I was like, I got to get out of here. I got up to leave, but then I had this guidance that was like, stop, this is your office space. I heard it. Good for you. And I stopped and then he proceeded to like yell and like point his finger inches from my face. Like you sit down, you sit down. And my voice was shaking. I just stood there. I was like, you can't tell me to sit down. And as he like keeps yelling and keeps yelling, I'm like, you can't tell me to sit down. And, uh, oh my God, it was like the most, uh, you know, you don't expect in a professional setting for these things to happen. Absolutely not. 
but it, it was a clear place of where I was um, stepping into my power because I really hadn't up until that point in my life. And, um, you know, I know that now that was really creating a boundary. And this was this was my space. It wasn't his big his whole lab and office space. But, um, yeah, so that's how cool is that, Rachel? And, and you heard what to do and you took the action. Yeah. That's amazing. It was scary in the moment. You're it's like very Whoa. scary. I'm yeah. sure your stomach was everything was shaking at the end. Yeah, it was. Oh my gosh. Yes. It was a terrible feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, all the things that are that we're hearing about in the news these days, I think one of the important things to take away is that we can notice and we can practice and get better and better at saying stop or taking ourselves out of the situation so that we don't end up again and again in situations where we're struck dumb and we don't know what to do, even though everything in our body is saying, get the heck out of here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know when you mentioned that word stop, it makes me think of with my boys, like we try to teach them, you know, when someone says stop, you stop. And even if that's like an adult tickling, Mm-hmm. You know, when once the kid is like, stop, then we stop the fun. You know, we honor that. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a huge thing. And I think I think our culture is changing and moving in the direction where stop means anybody needs to stop. I think mm-hmm. we have a long way to go, but I think we're moving in the right direction on it. Right. Yeah, I think so, too. And so I have a question. So being a psychologist, you're, you're learn, kind of listening to a lot of people and what they have going on. And you know, for me, sometimes as a friend, I can, for, it can feel kind of energy draining. Yes. And so I'm kind of looking at your book title here, Clear is Better Than Nice. How, how would I as a friend best support other people you know, if they're coming to me with lots of, you know, maybe the, the same story or the same kind of drama over and over again. Rachel, that is such a great question. I, it sounds like in some of those situations, there is a piece of your body inside that's feeling sort of, it's not a clear yes and it's not a clear no, but it's kind of like a, eh, not quite right. Mm-hmm. And So one of the things that you can do at that point is to say to yourself, okay, can I, can I do an hour? Can I talk an hour with this person? Can I talk half an hour? Can I talk 15 minutes Mm -hmm. or even just five minutes? And then you can say, I've got five minutes. I'd be happy to talk with you. And I'm going to set the timer. So it will remind us both when five minutes is done, go for it. Mm, okay. So that you are clear on what your boundaries are, and then they can use the five minutes any way they want to. And then when it's done, you say, thanks so much for coming. I absolutely think you will do a good job of figuring out the next step. Have a great day. Goodbye, clunk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, that's you helpful. Are, you are clear what your boundary is, and you take yourself out of the interaction at that point. One of my other favorite things about if you hear the same thing again and again, 
This comes from Parenting with Love and Logic also. Okay. Um, and it's how to help the other person solve their problem. Yeah. So when they come and they say, oh, this and this and this and whatever is going on. And the first thing you can say is just some, some empathy. Man, that's a bummer. It sounds like you're really frustrated with that. And then the next piece is, would you like to know how some people handle that? And then you listen, because if they say yes, then it's like they're opening the door and inviting okay. you in. I like that. If they don't say yes, they're probably not really going to be very open to information from you anyway. Okay? All right. So I really wait. If I knock, I want to make sure the door gets open so that there's, <laughs> I'm using my energy in a good way in, in continuing the conversation. Yeah. Um, so then, then you get to make up anything you want to. Okay. And I usually don't give my good idea first because people don't usually do the first thing that you say. So <laughs> my, first, my first, some people do, and I usually do some version of what they're doing. Some people fuss and complain and fuss and complain and never quite get around to taking any different action. Right. And then you say, how would that work out for you? Because you want them to do the thinking. You don't want to do the thinking for them. Because when I do all the thinking, it takes a lot of energy for me. Mm. And I don't want to be the one in charge of solving their problem. Especially because if I say do this and they do it and it doesn't work out, who are they going to be mad at? <laughs> so, so the first day, you know, and usually people can think through whether they recognize themselves or not. They can sort of think through and go, yeah, that probably wouldn't work out very well. Mm-hmm. And if you have an idea, some people get clear if they want to ask for some different behavior and they take some time and find when the person's free and make their request and listen for the person says, yes, I'm willing to do that differently or no, I'm not. And then they decide whether they want to go on hanging out with that person or not. Mm -hmm. How would that work out for you? And then the person gets to think through that one and come up with whatever their response is. And then you can say, good luck. Let me know how it works out. Yeah. Handed it back to them. You don't have to carry it anymore. And they get the underlying message that says, I think you're capable. I think you can figure this out. Go for it, which is a really supportive message Mm -hmm. and and quite different from the one that I give. If I'm um, telling people what to do, that sort of has the message that says, I I think you're too stupid to figure this out for yourself. Mm, Okay. So, well, that's awesome to know. I'm going to have to go back through this and jot (laughs) down some notes. (laughs) And use that. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Because, you know, as a friend, sometimes people, you know, want you just to listen, but then you're listening and listening and listening and it's the same thing. And I I will add one piece there, Rachel. Okay. And somebody calls and says, I've got all this stuff on my mind. I might at that point say, do you want a listener or do you want me to give you some feedback? Okay, I like that. Those are two different things that I may be able to listen for half an hour, if I have half an hour. (laughs) Yeah. But if I if I am doing some feedback, that may be actually a shorter, a shorter process. Okay. And being clear about how much time I have available really helps. Yeah. And I like, you know, my, my, my phone will go off or a timer will go off. 
So it's then, oh, the timer went off. So now I have to go and I can blame it on the timer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would, that, would the timer turn anyone off, do you think? Well, how I, how I often put it is um, I've got five minutes. I want to really listen to you for that five minutes. So I'm going to set the timer so that okay. that will let us know when the time's up and I won't have to keep looking at the clock. Yeah, that's good. Very cool. And I think it would just start creating that, that you know, building that boundary really to exactly. start becoming aware of how they're taking time from other people. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. You have so much, so many good things to share. (laughs) Thank you so much, Rachel. Yeah. And so if any of our listeners would like to connect with you to learn more about your work or how you might be able to support them in their transformation, how would you like for them to do that? I will give you an email address and that is ellensaul47 at gmail.com. All right. And that email will be in the show notes. Um, yep. And I'm just going to spell it now. E-L-L-E-N-S-A-U-L 47 at gmail.com. That's correct. Any last things you want to leave, leave us with, Ellen? Well, just the fact that all of us can get better and better at listening to our bodies and honoring our bodies, yes and no. And my experience is that really adds a lot of plus to my life. And my body thanks me and there's less conflict and difficulty between me and my body. I think you've learned a lot of those things also. Yeah. And just to encourage people to practice it, to, to just, a possibility is every time I sit down or stand up, just check, what zone am I in now? Am I ready to move forward into the next thing? Um, so that we become tuned into that in a, in a more regular way than our culture tends to teach us to do. Yeah, that's so awesome. And I, that's really kind of like what you're saying is living guided and intuitively. Like yes. we can know when to move forward on something or when to pause and, mm-hmm. and then let go of the worry and doubt around it because we're living guided from the inside. And, and I think it's awesome to know that's possible and to be embody it and live it. That's right. And uh, you know, that, that line from the Bible that says our bodies are the temple of the Holy spirit. It's like, this is a very direct way to get God's direction for us because it's coming right through the cells in our body and our nervous system. And it's present for us all the time. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ellen. You're very welcome, Rachel. I surely enjoyed this. Yeah, it's been great. Listeners, if you would like to stay connected and get updates about Rev with Rachel, please go to www.drrachelw.com, enter your name and email address, and I will also send you my nine happiness and healing essentials, which talks about my favorite tools for healing. And my new book, Radiantly Free, Recreating Life and Health from the Radiance of You, is now on Amazon. You can check that out. Um, It helps you to heal from the inside out and to free all parts of ourselves, free others, free you, free our soul, free the body, and so on. I also have an app that can support you on your journey to inner healing and radiance. It's free to download, and you can subscribe for more features, including my daily recreators, power words for retraining your mind, and get special push notifications from me with quotes and other messages for your healing journey. 
For the links to download and subscribe, go to www.rachelapp.com. With that, remember to rev, recreate, enlighten, and vibrate. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again, be love. EWN Podcast Network.